springs than before. So, but it's excited to have summer. It's getting there. July. It's already July. It's already next week. So we are really uh, out of the corner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we are almost uh, going live. So just wanted to say welcome to our community online. We are just waiting another 20, 30 seconds to assure that everyone um, is able to see the entire episode of, of the podcast before kicking off the show. And that's it. And we are live. So welcome to the Scale Up Valley uh, community uh, over there. So as you know, we are here every week to interview some of the best tech companies in the world. And of course, some of the best tech executives. The episode today is about scaling uh, enterprise sales. And we have the pleasure of having with us Jessica Kleck, the VP of Enterprise Sales at SalesLoft. So Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. So looking forward to, to the show. And of course, a lot of startups out there are scaling up. And uh, at the same time, uh, they start already with enterprise or they want to do, to do the move from SMB to enterprise sales. And it's usually a very complicated one, uh, also in terms of managing the expectations of investors, of doubling, tripling, because there is a lot of adaptations to start seeing uh, results on, on enterprise. But before we go deeper into the topic, it would be great to have an overview, a little bit about your, your story. I know that you have a very interesting background with, for instance, LinkedIn and, and Salesforce, uh, uh, which are very good schools in terms of sales or any company that is really uh, scaling. But let's listen from you. So what, where has been starting your career and how did you end up working at, at SalesLoft? Sure. Thanks so much. Um, so I spent the whole of my career in the HR tech and SaaS space. Um, I started out as an individual contributor for seven years at CareerBuilder, um, where I was a top performing rep selling talent solutions to the world's largest staffing firms. Um, from there, Salesforce had opened their hub in Chicago, and so I was eager to jump right into that SaaS business and uh, went over there as one of the um, first females on the GB or more strat role IC. Uh, enjoyed great success there. I loved helping uh, Salesforce bring their culture and sort of that expertise to the Midwest. Um, but from there, I sort of missed that connection to the HR space. And so I was fortunate to secure a role at LinkedIn. Um, I moved to Manhattan for a couple of years. I was the top performing rep my first year there, uh, securing quite a big deal for the organization, and then was quickly promoted into leadership. And from there, I enjoyed great success uh, running several different um, sales organizations from SMB to mid-market to enterprise across the holes of their business from talent to learning. Um, and then uh, from there, I took sort of the, the leadership skills and abilities that I had from sort of building different startups within that larger organization and deployed that um, at an HCM organization, building out a global content business for them. Um, from there, I was fortunate to join SalesLoft after being connected with our chief revenue officer, Sean. I was very inspired by Kyle's mission and the sales engagement space in general, knowing full well that being a leader of sales teams has 
um, really pointed out all of the gaps that were there from a technological perspective. And so fortunate to have joined and help uh, with that initiative to scale Salesloft into the enterprise. Got it. That's, that's an amazing career and amazing track record. And in terms of Salesloft, so if you could get, give us a little bit more details on, on Salesloft and what is the problem that Salesloft solves to, to the market and also a little bit of the stage where you are in. So what is the ad count, uh, what you can share in terms of revenues and fundraising stage. So just to understand the maturity or, or the stage of the organization at, at, at this moment. Sure. So we just got through raising our Series D. Um, we raised about $75 million for our Series D. We are... Thank you so much. Uh, congrats to our ELT team for doing that. Um, we are just about 430 employees and uh, growing rapidly. Um, we've expanded through our headquarters is in Atlanta, Georgia, but we have offices now in San Francisco and in New York. Um, and then we are employing a lot of remote individuals from the enterprise side. Um, so Salesloft, um, we are the leading and premier sales engagement platform out there. And the sole purpose of what we do is to help operationalize the sales motions that all organizations face. So whether that is creating cadences and steps and the ability to identify what your best reps are doing and scale that, um, we involve personalization um, as well as the analytics that can really help drive more data-driven decisions for the leaders. Um, so essentially, sales engagement has really changed the face of sales in general because we are enabling and empowering reps to get back to doing what they love, which is actually connecting with people. We know through uh, Salesforce, actually, that reps typically spend less than 50% of their time doing actual selling and more than 60% of their time is spent doing sales adjacent activities. And so through our platform, we are enabling sales teams to be more successful and ramp quicker. Got it. It sounds um, a great uh, mission uh, and it's very aligned with what Skillet Valley does in terms of of the entire team, the leadership team, the CEO, helping them to stay focused and aligned and accountable across the process. And uh, definitely uh, from our experience working with leadership teams, when everything goes well with sales, uh, usually everyone is happy. When something is not happening uh, in sales, uh, usually our quarter reviews are not so happy. And usually there is always a single question uh, why didn't we meet uh, the targets? So where is the problem? And usually uh, answering to this question or making or asking the right question is really, really difficult. So having a platform that helps us uh, in, in this process and that allows us to focus where we can have uh, higher results, it's, it's really um, super valuable. So, and, and just to give you a, a context, and also uh, given the career of, of chess, um, it's, it's, there is only 4% uh, of all companies who surpass the 1 million US dollars in revenues. So 4%, 0.4% the 10 million, and point, 0.04% the um, 100 million which is typically is the goal of venture backed business to go from zero to 100 million plus in five to seven years or seven to 10 years. And this is extremely difficult. And some of the companies that Chess has also represented in the past. So for instance, Salesforce is already 10B 
uh, plus in, in revenues, which may makes uh, that company one of the Fortune 500 uh, today. And it's it, it, this, these are the challenges. So I'll, I'll to go from zero to 100 million, from 100 million to 1B, from 1B to 10B, and hopefully from 1B to 100B, which I think it's only almost Microsoft, Google, Amazon, uh, and, and Facebook is not still there. I think it's around 80, 90 million. Uh, pardon me if I'm wrong. So which shows how difficult it is to scale an organization and why we are here always so obsessed about trying to compress some of the best lessons about uh, scaling up businesses. So coming to uh, one of the Rockefeller habits, which is how to assure that everyone is focused on the same big priority for the next quarter, which is all about uh, focus. How do you assure also at SalesLoft that the enterprise team and the whole business is focused on a very single priority and how it looks like the process for you? Yeah. So I've been fortunate in my career to work for organizations that have placed a lot of value on, of course, driving revenue, but also OKRs as a business metric outside of that. Um, while I was at LinkedIn, I sort of learned about this through what they call leadership leverage and results. Um, and those OKRs were essentially baked right into the performance metrics. So results was more of just a table stakes conversation, um, but the leadership and leverage really encouraged and influenced the individual to take ownership um, around that OKR, right? How could they contribute? So I took those lessons and again, fortunate to join SalesLoft where our COO, Rob Foreman, has created OKR as an initiative for the organization. Um, and we make them public throughout our organization. So we have a site, salesloft.okrs.com, where every single member of our ALT team will put their OKRs for the quarter. And that essentially makes it much easier for us as sales leaders to align our OKRs to the, the broader business goals. Um, I, I love that we're passionate about that. Um, and I love that we're able to leverage the ELT's sort of stake in the ground. Um, and then for me as a leader, I, I employ sort of a couple different, what I'd say facets to my OKRs. Um, one is around talent, one is around strategy, and one is around process. Um, and for me, the most important of the three being talent, right? So you really need to involve your team in the OKR to make sure that they're really personally aligned, right? And they have that personal accountability to that OKR. Um, something I've done in the past um, has been what we've called the plant the flag exercise. And really it's an opportunity to rally the team around that OKR and sort of come to it together, sort of asking ourselves, what do we want to be known for this quarter? And that's how we really sort of tie us personally to that OKR. And then of course, align that strategically to the ELT OKR. From a strategy perspective, um, if we land on, let's say, you know, scaling enterprise in a particular vertical, well, then we would certainly enlist the right resources that because in enterprise, we are more cross-functionally focused, we can then align product, we can align marketing, we can align our solutions engineers all around that OKR. Um, and lastly, when I think about process, you know, we have the strategy, we have the OKR, we have the talent on board, um, we design more of a practical application. Um, so maybe that's a business value assessment that we create and deploy um, that will really help that talent execute on the strategy um, of what the OKR is. And of course, the hope is that all of these sales motions and actions will drive more revenue. Got it. And 
so and revenue is one of the OKRs or it's much more a consequence uh, of the of the execution of the OKRs, let's say. I think it's the ultimate driving OKR, right? I mean, any scaling business, the number one thing you're trying to do is is drive revenue, but it's the means yep. and how to get there. Got it. And it, it, it's curious to get there and that you said that one of the most important or the most important OKR for you is related with talent uh, because that, that's one of the most difficult issues when a company is really scaling the bottleneck. It's not about money. It's really about time. Yeah. And in order to make things happen in terms of time, it's assuring that we have the right people in the right places uh, on board around time, uh, ramp it up on time and producing results on time. And this is extremely difficult, especially when we are, we just said, what are the metrics of scaling a, a company? So which means that we are looking for outliers, so high performers in the markets. And usually those high performers are not easily convinced. We want also to see what, what lays ahead of them, what is the mission, what is the vision, what is the plan, and how can they be successful and also help the company to be successful and their teams to be successful. So very, very interesting point. And, and let's come to, to a point that I know that you are very passionate about, and it's also a little bit related with, with Salesloft's uh, mission, which is how do you, after you define those OKRs that you said, in your case, it's very related with talent, strategy, and process, how do you track um, those OKRs? So what are the meeting rhythms? So what tools do you use? Great, and I appreciate this question so much, Mike, because it <laughs> to talk about Salesloft. Um, and again, I already spoke about what our platform does, but um, basically when we align the strategy process and the talent to this OKR, it involves that, you know, that metric of what are we going to do to get there, right? So if scaling the enterprise um, is one of our OKRs, then the insights I can derive from our platform really help me evaluate how we're hitting our metrics or not. Um, so essentially, part of the process is how are we going to market? How are we, uh, what messaging are we putting in the marketplace? What are the best reps doing? All of that I can see within our platform, right? I can very quickly identify through A-B testing, through different messaging, what's working, what's resonating in the market, what isn't, and we can quickly tweak that. All of those insights are then um, bi-directionally synced into Salesforce, so I can compare the metrics, the actual activity levels, by type, right? Are the LinkedIn messages we're putting out there gaining traction? Um, are they leading to opportunities? Are we, uh, if we're going after a particular vertical, is that messaging resonating in the FinServe space and how many opportunities have been created from that? So through the platform, essentially, it's helping me as a leader derive those data-driven insights to tweak our process. Um, and as far as the meeting structure, um, we have an all hands weekly for enterprise where we talk about current challenges we're facing, we have deal review, we're talking about the process, we're talking about um, up leveling the conversations through some of the consultative things that our sales enablement team has been giving us like business value assessments, ROI calculations, really able to have those, uh, drive those conversations with our prospects and customers through value. Um, and then, of course, we have one-on-ones uh, weekly with directs, and then I also employ separate coaching sessions, um, and those are on a monthly basis. Uh, we can do whiteboarding or deal strategy uh, ad hoc, but mm -hmm. I think 
coaching sessions are the most important because again, it gives us an opportunity to realign what the talent, what the team is focused on and how they're contributing and how they're feeling connected to the business and the OKR and if they're driving uh, whatever their personal impact is. Right. I think um, for us, one of our values is team over self. And this is a great opportunity to really dive into what are we doing to further the business, right? It's hard sometimes when reps have a number and they just want to focus, you know, I don't care how I get there. I'm just going to close the business right. and my number, which we love. Uh, but it's also broader than that at the stage of organization we are in, right? It's more about what are we contributing to the overall business for growth? Got it. And yeah, th this is a, a very good point, the, having those uh, coaching sessions. So sometimes, especially on, on sales meetings, which are very easy to track results. So in terms of marketing, it would be a little bit more difficult. So did we have the right copy, as you were saying? So uh, did we make the, the right campaign? Should we have done another one in terms of people? It's also around hires, but again, as we were discussing, it's about having the right hires in place and supports even more difficult to, to track, but also we have a lot of KPIs now, nowadays, very well known in all areas. But so what I mean with, with this intro is uh, it can be very tough in a, in a sales meeting. And if, again, if the environment is, if the energy is high, the energy will be very high. And if the energy is low, it can be very low and it can be the end um, of, of the world. So creating this kind of environment of thinking about the business together and finding out solutions together, it's, it's difficult. So um, how do you separate these moments that you, it seems that your strategic se sessions are more, much more called as coaching sessions, and then your weekly meetings are much more operational, much more straight to the point. So how are we doing in terms of metrics? Um, small improvements that we can do and the coaching sessions might be much more strategic, much more the 10x exercise, what can we do to not only improve incrementally, but also to 10x our results today. So how looks like the difference of those both meetings and how do you allow that your team thinks together in a, in a more strategic uh, way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important in business to have both of those facets, um, right? So certainly at the growth stage we are, the operational stuff needs to be on that weekly cadence. We need to understand what's happening in the market, right? We need to understand what are the objections we're facing? How are our messages landing? Um, that's just sort of that stand up. Everyone sort of brings what they're hearing. Um, and it's important to share the challenges. I think, you know, of course, sharing wins is great, but that is the opportunity to share the challenges and, and even some of the losses and what can we learn from that. Um, the coaching, on the other hand, is really the rep's time, right? That's, it's their agenda. What do they, what do they want to bring to the table? What do they want to their development, right? So I think it's the balance of the operational rigor, um, the sales motion and execution, and then the up-leveling of that rep. And so we try and make sure that our meetings address those three sort of pillars of, of growth for a rep. Got it. Cool. And um, we, 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 when we discuss enterprise, and it seems that to a very cross-functional um, approach to, to the topic, not, uh, and you, I think that you've never talked in the show about enterprise sales. So you're always talking about serving enterprise 
um, customers. So when, when do you think is the right timing to move from, if you start by selling to SMBs to move to um, enterprise? So what, what were the kind of signs that uh, has shown to sales love that it was time to really have a dedicated team to, to enterprise? Mm-hmm. Um, at the stage I, had, I joined SalesLoft, we were um, already scaling into the enterprise for about six months. And I think with most SaaS organizations, I think they follow sort of the same recipe of let's hire uh, viable talent that can get that more transactional, high velocity sales motion going to start driving some incremental revenue, start getting the brand awareness out there. Um, and then I think you as a business, I think it probably varies by vertical Um, But I think you set those sort of, or the board sets those various uh, revenue milestones that you need to hit to continue to grow and to continue to get infusions to help you scale and, and reinvest in product. But I think there's always a tipping point at the where the commercial business is sort of operating as it should be. Um, We have the strategy down, we have the leadership in place and it's sort of a well-oiled machine. And then I think it's time to transition and focus on scaling into the enterprise because as we know, it's an entirely different business than commercial. Um, The rigor is different. The cadence of the sales cycle is far different, far longer. Uh, The complexity of the sale uh, is much different. Um, Speaking cross-functionally, we we rely heavily on product. We rely heavily on our solutions engineers. We rely heavily on marketing. So the sales motion is entirely different because it requires a lot more internal investment. um, And it also requires a lot more consensus from the customer or prospect. Uh, before you can get that now, that that agreement, where I think the commercially based business is, you know, go no go within a couple of calls. Uh, this sales cycle is much uh, much different and much more difficult. Um, and I think the the level of talent is different too, right? I, I keep coming back to talent. That's where my heart is. Um, I think that is the driver and the number one asset of the organization. But it's a much more difficult hire. Um, to get a strategic enterprise wrap, especially at the size of organization that we are. But we are fortunate that we have hired an incredible team. I am so proud of the team that we've hired. They are making magic happen. Uh, so it's a, it's a really exciting time part of SalesLoft and to be leading those efforts. That sounds awesome. And, and yeah, there, there are a lot of challenges when you finally have someone who is entirely dedicated to enterprise. And I think one of those challenges is where to start building the team and how to structure the team. So we have already talked about some of the variables that we need to consider. So in what verticals, in, in what geographies, uh, having a team that is navigating cross-functional uh, domains which sometimes, because you are also covering different geographies, it's um, virtual, uh, so which can't be together every single week. Um, so h- how do you, how do you, did you start structuring the team, and what were the main variables that you have in consideration to structure the team? So. Um... You know, with guidance from our, our chief revenue officer and, and ELT around um, their openness to hiring remote reps, um, I think that's really where we started. I think, um, you know, at first it was 
we should have them at corporate so they can be very strategically aligned to those cross-functional partners so they can report back directly to ELT why we were winning, why we were losing. But I think we quickly learned that um, it doesn't necessarily matter if they're at corporate, but are they um, in a place where they can support their customer prospect base? Um, we also know that enterprise is much more face-to-face, -face, right? Those conversations mm -hmm. um, right. require us to be spending uh, sometimes we're we're on site with prospects for weeks at a time, uh, evaluating their entire go-to-market, meeting with all of their cross-functional partners, really helping them design what uh, their go-to-market sales should look like, uh, what their sales strategy even or their process should be. Um, so that really requires the reps to be all over the place. Right? It's it's difficult to have a rep in Atlanta supporting you know some of our uh, very large organizations. Um, on the West Coast and in Silicon Valley, like Facebook. So, you know, we have reps that are very local there that can go in and, and support the business. Um, so I think that was probably a turning point for our organization that we were okay with the remote rep um, being in geography. Um, I, I think also when you structure the teams, the differences between commercial and enterprise is, is more around, um, we, we kind of went back and forth on, do we go for the very strategic, long-term enterprise sales rep, you know, that's been at Salesforce for 10 years that could come in and just like bring those relationships? Or do we sort of place our bets with um, a very hungry, accomplished mid-market rep that would come to the organization and really want to prove their worth, really want to prove that they can be successful in enterprise. So for us, we kind of teetered between the two sort of profiles. Um, and I think we ended up with, with a fantastic mixture of both, but certainly different than that profile you would look at uh, on the commercial side. Got it. And I'm not sure if it is yet the time, but uh, are you thinking about having any kind of responsible for, for vertical, or this is something still early to start having those uh, responsibilities in place in, in the team structure? Yeah, I think where we are, it's it's certainly something that we've been thinking about. Um, I think for us, sales engagement is, it spans all verticals, all businesses. Any organization that sells something can leverage our platform. And for us, um, there's just so much to go after right now. Um, I think as we verticalize, we'll probably look to um, expand the product in ways that might serve our customers, um, like in healthcare, a little bit differently, or financial services a little bit differently um, than we serve most of the sort of broad stream um, go-to-markets that the, the rest of the sales organizations have. Got it. Sounds, sounds perfect. So we started by discussing uh, the Rockefeller habit uh, number two, is which is how to assure that we have everyone in the team focuses on just uh, one big rock or uh, one main milestone for, for the quarter, then we move forward to kind of ask, uh, so how, how do we track this? Uh, what meaning rhythms do we have, which is Rockefeller's number three, to assure that we are tracking and taking decisions along the way during the quarter, week after week, uh, if possible, day after day, hour after hour so that we learn very quickly. And we ended up discussing Rockefeller number, number one, which is how do you show that the team is healthy and aligned? How do you structure the team to really learn 
leverage this big opportunity that uh, sales loft has uh, had and is already conquering uh, with amazing results as, as you shared um, before. So there is so much to discuss uh, in, in this space that I think that we would stay here for hours and hours in, in the show. But uh, uh, so it, it's also a good opportunity to have you back uh, later on to share a little bit more about the process scaling uh, sales loft in, in the upcoming months. So I'd like to ask you um, a final question that we always ask to our guests on the show, which is if you would have the opportunity to, um, to catch up with Jess uh, one year ago when you joined sales loft and as you prefer, uh, five or eight years ago when you were starting at LinkedIn. So what kind of advice or what would you tell her? <laughs> so I, I will start with the younger version of me. Um, Got it. <laughs> coming back, I, I wish someone had brought the idea or I had heard about the idea at the start of my career for building your own personal board of directors. Um, it's an idea I heard later in life, but has been unbelievably valuable to my career trajectory. Um, and what essentially a personal board of directors is, is a group of advocates and mentors, and in some cases, sponsors that can give you both internal and external advice. Um, I make sure that I have you know, a voice younger than me, a voice greater than me, um, all sort of varying degrees of uh, career progression on my board of directors that essentially help me really think about what I'm doing. And when I have challenges and uh, or I'm facing a new opportunity, how can they help me sort of solve for those things? Um, and just, you know, for the most part, help keep you sane, right? It's, you can find yourself talking, you know, the same sort of talk with the, the people you work with and that are closer to you, but it is um, just unbelievably important to get sort of that exterior perspective um, to sort of help bring you back down to earth and level set. So I would say if I could go back in time, I would have built that personal board of directors much earlier. Um, and some of those relationships that I have today are my most cherished. Um, and then if I could go back a year ago and, and tell myself, um, you know, something I wish I had learned before joining Sales Loft was, um, it's a tough one. Um, <laughs> that I would have networked much sooner for hiring. It, we, we spend a lot of time trying to find really great talent. Um, and I wish I would have already socialized sales loft to some of the people um, that I wished I could have hired that had already gone on to do great things because uh, I, I've built phenomenal relationships throughout my career and I like to take my people with me. So Maybe I should have socialized a little bit uh, before coming over. But yeah, I think the most important piece there is that personal board of directors. It's been an incredible influence in my life. And I know so many that I've shared that with and, and have built their own have seen success through that too. So great question, Mike. <laughs> and a great answer and it's it's amazing to see uh, that we are so sophisticated about business and sometimes we are not so sophisticated about life and what we should put also a lot of effort on our lives on designing our life plan on designing our own advisory board our own board of directors as we do with business uh, by the way so which is an amazing uh, advice and thanks so much for for sharing it Jess so it was really a pleasure and uh, thank you so much, Jess, for making the time. Thank you so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. And before um, before we go, I just wanted to also say thank you to our community uh, that is 
that has been watching us live or will be watching us later uh, the show. So as you know, you can watch uh, all those episodes at scalapvalley.com uh, slash community, 70 plus episodes at this stage about CEO, CEO interviews, sales interviews, product, sales, customer success, marketing, uh, and all about how to scale companies from 1 million to 100 million plus and with some of the best leaders um, in the world. So thank you so much and uh, see you uh, next week.